I'm doing good, Chris. How about you? I'm doing good. It's uh, <laughs> coming off a weekend. I'm trying to get energized about this week. and uh, So it's I, a slow Monday morning for you? Right. Yeah. Well, no, not really. We've had a bunch of stuff going on this morning already. So You wish it was a slow Monday morning. I wish. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Yeah. So how are, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing yeah. pretty good. We got back from a vacation recently and nice. uh, got to spend time with friends and family in the mountains of Colorado. And man, yeah. that just, that just, you know, uh, refuels my soul. That's good. Yes. Love it. Uh, so it was good stuff. That's awesome. Good stuff. How about you guys? Uh, we're doing well. We're getting back in the school groove. And um, by the time this goes out, I'm sure we'll be at least two weeks in. Um, but it's just whole trying to get back into that groove of... And there's that adjustment period, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, yeah. I feel like we go through that every year. Yeah. Where you it's just kind of... Like, how many years have we done this? We should have this down. Right? You would think so. <laughs> but every year seems to be a new thing. It's like daylight savings. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. we fell back or we sprung forward an hour, and now I still don't know what to do. <laughs> right. Still, hey, have you... Uh, still okay with going back to the way it used to be for that's that, right. too. <laughs> that's right. Have you been to the state fair yet? I have not. No? We talked about going this weekend, and I was like, eh, I'm not sure... Like my wife enjoys it more than I do, so okay. There's just yeah. a lot of people there, and and um, and a lot of good food. But yeah, I, did you go? No, not yet. But my uh, my daughter was over there yesterday, oh. and she sent me a picture of a like a glass, like think like gallon milk jug. Yeah, like the old school glass gallon oh, yeah. milk jug things. Yeah. yeah, but it's a jug of Dr Pepper. With what? Dr. Pepper. She's like, check this out. <laughs> wow. She's like, but I didn't buy it. It was too expensive. And I was like, how much? Right? And where is it? <laughs> so I was like, that's now, just cool. Now you have to go to the fair. I just might have to now. Just so, for the Dr. Pepper yeah, thing. <laughs> we'll check it out. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Well, I see tons of posts, whether it's on LinkedIn, other social medias, or, you know, websites, or, you know, other coaches, mm-hmm. businesses, things like that, of just talking about how important our culture is yes. in our teams, our organizations, our businesses. And people are really, I mean, younger generations, younger workforce, and even, you know, some of the you know, generations that we represent um, are coming to this as well, saying, I've got to be in a place with good culture. Right. That I don't want to be just, you know, achieving metrics and yeah, maybe I succeed, but right. the culture around me stinks. I don't right. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Yes. And so there's been a huge push and what that kind of ends up being is a lot of pressure on us as leaders, you know, right. as business owners of how do we create culture in our businesses? Right. When maybe that's you know, sometimes it just kinda happens, you know. I mean, like I've been watching the uh, the Disney um, about industrial light and man it, uh, uh-huh. industrial light and magic. Okay. The company that George Lucas basically started okay. to be able to film Star Wars, huh. and now ILM is like the premier digital studio. Like the just the intro to the show, you're like, oh my goodness, they did that show. Oh, they did that show. Oh, and they did that show and that one. And you're just like, wow, what a what an really? incredible yeah. And basically, you know, he hired one guy. Yeah. Uh, I think his name was John Dykstra who basically kind of assembled a team of people he sort of knew or connections of others who mm-hmm. they just kind of heard of people doing really interesting, cool things, not as part of their jobs, because none of this was happening. I mean, Star Wars was like the beginning of the effects, you know, okay. um, that a lot of things had kind of slowed down and there were no effects houses. So, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so can do such and such. Well, let's get them on the team. <laughs> right. So it's kind of this ragtag group of people that they brought <clears throat> together from various industries that had no clue what they were doing. Really? And one of the things that keeps permeating through the story, and I'm only like on episode two of six, is how they just grew together as a family, but there was tension, there was frustration, there were, you know, tight time, they were missing timelines, they were over budget, they were under budget, you know. There's all of this mess going on around them, but yet um, there was this culture that developed among them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think they intentionally worked on that because there was, I mean, they were working 18 hour days building right. models for X-Wings and Millennium Falcons, right? Right. You know, and so sure, some of that can happen in our businesses. Right. You know, that that we just get the right mix of people in a right. a, a really positive culture develops. Which I would say is, is the rarity, right? 
I would think so. I would think so, you know, too. But even, even studies, um, you know, Gallup has put a lot of studies, you know, surveys and, and whatnot. Um, even Google, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Aristotle Project, which is a huge study on leadership, workplace culture. Uh, well, it actually wasn't necessarily about culture, but that's one of the outcomes mm-hmm. is what are people looking for? And, you know, they want to have engagement. They want to have solid communication. They want... Uh, they don't just want a boss or, you know, somebody to micromanage them or just to be, you know, accountable. Right. They want coaching. Mm-hmm. They want people who know that basically that you're out for their best interest. Right. And so, you know, the question then comes of how do you create culture? Right. Uh, yes. You know, because getting that magical mix of people at the beginning, you know. It's not, not always perfect. Right. 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 <clears throat> and, you know, or your organization grows faster than you can keep up with. Right. Or, you know, a key person leaves or, right. you know, and so how do you keep that culture going? And so that's one of the tools that, um, you know, that we work on because mm-hmm. in, at the end of the day, and I think we're going to take a deep dive on one of our upcoming podcasts on this. So keep, you know, keep your ears open for that one. But um, at the end of the day, I I think there's a theory that I, I want to tease this out because uh, okay. I'm still working on processing through this of um, is every problem essentially a leadership problem. Even if it has to do with finances, even if it has to do with culture, mm-hmm. is it a leadership problem? So I want to come back to that because there's a, a phrase in our culture today that culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? Okay. <laughs> You've heard that, right? Yeah. That culture will, you know, it doesn't matter how good your strategy is. Mm-hmm. When the pressure is on, when, um, when, when relationships are frazzled, when you're exhausted, when you're emotionally... Uh, empty, mm-hmm. you know, when the pressure is on and you've got to get across the finish line with whatever project or goal or whatever you're working on, when the pressure's on, your culture will, if if it's a poor culture, if it's a, a toxic culture, it will mm-hmm. eat away and you will never accomplish your strategy hmm. because your strategy is dependent on people. <coughs> and if people aren't making it, if people aren't, you right. know, if they're like, forget this. <laughs> I'm out. Or there's so much pressure that they can't do what they need to do, or right. they end up only doing it at a C level, C minus level job when you know their their potential is A. Right. You know they could do an A plus job, but right. man, it just it's just not going to allow them to. And so, how do we work on our culture? Yes. So that our strategies succeed, our um, you know our systems, our processes, you know, and all those things, we're aligned behind our vision. Mm-hmm. We're executing toward the goal. And we're growing our capacity. How do we right. how do we create a culture for that? And um, you know, culture is rooted in communication and relationships. Totally. So how do you do that? And so this is just a this is a very high level uh, tool from Giant uh, that talks about creating healthy culture begins with a vocabulary, mm-hmm. so a specific set of language around what you mm-hmm. do that you express that visually. So you know, we're very visual culture, and so mm-hmm. how do we express that simply? through a visual tool, that creates an objective and common language. So that when you say something like, hey, culture will always trump strategy, mm-hmm. what does that mean? So how do you develop that vocabulary in a, in a visual tool that creates an objective common language that facilitates then productive communication? So yeah. you have that objective language that you can use throughout the company at whatever level, whether that's the C-suite or... Um, you know, down to your entry-level employee, um, you develop productive communication, and that builds that healthy culture. Wow. So, I like that. So, you know, like, you know, these giant tools that we use. Um, I, kn- I know that, you know, here at the church where um, where I serve, and we've been using these giant tools for, for years, so I can, I can look at a few people and, and just say, hey, call up, not out. And they know exactly what that means. And they yeah. know how to apply that because that, that vocabulary, that <clears throat> common language, um, we've worked through that tool. We've talked through scenarios. We've talked about what's the benefit. What if this doesn't happen? Right. And, you know, hey, call them up. Don't call them out. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got it. And we, we're able to move forward. And it that's actually awesome. creates an efficiency. <laughs> I was going to say, that's huge. <laughs> you know, um, and that's one, of the more, that's one of the more simple ones. You right. know, that, right, right. Uh, you know, how do I respond when things are under pressure. You call mm-hmm. them up, not out. Yeah. And so um, when you develop that culture of, you know, hey, here's our objective language. 
here's where we're headed. When we say this in our vision statement or we mm -hmm. say this in our core values, um, you know, if your core value is err on the side of generosity, mm -hmm. what, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, and so you can say those words, but have you fleshed it out? And right. have you worked on that? Is there, you know, have you developed something visually so that people can recall that? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think workplaces are very keen on throwing little posters up on the wall. I agree. And most of them are text, right? Right. But how long does it take for you to stop and read it? And then move on. And then you just start running through the workplace. You only have 10 seconds to do whatever. Right. And, you know, but a well, visual tool. truly, those are like, they're visual tools that they use that I oftentimes think that they're just like key phrases. Like, but they don't, they're not always implemented in the culture either. Right. Like, you know, so, you know, so many people just, oh, this is a pretty picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, you don't have to hire an artist. You don't have to, right, no, you know, for sure. I mean, it can be simple doodles. It can be mm -hmm. something, you know, um, stick figures. Right. But, um, you it's know, it's gotta be meaningful. It does. How do how can you just create a little doodle that, that communicates the principle that you're, you're trying to get across right? and that will stick in people's memories more. I completely agree. You know, this is so. huge. This stuff is huge. I think it's, this stuff is the kind of stuff that I think makes the biggest difference because, I mean, in our current culture, in our current um, work environments, mm -hmm. like, is and there's a lot of unhappy people that are looking for, they're not always, and you know, it used to be, I think, previous generations, it was focused on, on earnings, like, however, you're, how much money you mm. can bring in, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I think now it's like, Yes, I still have to make a certain amount of money, but at the same time, like the bigger thing is I want to have quality people around me or I want to have a good uh, work environment, which is totally culture based. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you're out there listening and you know, you're thinking, man, I, I need to think through more about culture mm -hmm. um, because a lot, I mean, I feel like this is new things popping up in our our culture these days. Totally. Um, you know, that in the past it was like, well, you need to fine tune your strategy. You need to, you know, create, you know, a better environment or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Um, you know, and, and so if you're listening going, I think my strategy is sound, but mm -hmm. we keep falling short. Well, let's, let's look at your culture right. and, um, you know, take a look at that. So, mm -hmm. um, if you need help, um, you know, giant worldwide's got a ton of tools for that. Yeah. Reach and out to us. Yeah, we'd love to talk more about you. Tor talk more about that with you. Right. And like I'm, you said, it's it's a, yeah. it's a Monday morning. Right. <laughs> and that might be talking about you, but I'll also be helping you grow. That's I mean, right. Those are huge That's right. tools. So. Yeah, we'd love to see you guys succeed. So Yeah, so let's. we got some uh, guests coming in today. Yeah, yeah we've got uh, Luke and Brett um, who are with All In Painting. Okay. Um, they're going to come and uh, share with us about their stories. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, they're long-term friends that have uh, ended up working together mm -hmm. um, later in life. And uh, they've got, a, got some cool journey and cool story to talk about and how they're thinking about leadership in their business. That's exciting. So we're going to hop over here in a moment and uh, talk to Luke and Brett. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. All right. Well, welcome, guys. Thank you. Glad y'all are here. Good to be here. So, Thanks for having us. Yeah. So Luke Reynolds and Brett Jones of All In Painting, right? Yep. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. Well, I guess I'll go first. Uh, Luke Reynolds, and I was born and raised in the South Bend area. In fourth grade, my parents moved down to Argus, which is about 30 minutes south of South Bend. And... Um, Ended up uh, actually graduating through Chesterton, moved halfway through my uh, junior year, which I guess we'll talk more of because my dad was a painting contractor and all the work was up in northwest Indiana, for, okay. you okay. know, for all the region folks out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, grew up in a small town, um, ended up going to Indiana State where I studied aviation hmm. um, right out of college. Uh, well, stepping back, that's where I met my wife in college. Um, so that's my first job out of college was here in the Indy area and it was in aviation. I was a pilot and a grant administrator for an engineering company that built runways and taxiways. Really? Uh, wife was a teacher at the time, so it was easier for her to get a job in central Indiana than it was for me to go find another aviation gig in Southern mm -hmm. Indiana. That was her first job was down in Scottsburg, Indiana. 
And then, so in 2005 was when we moved here to Greenwood. And I spent 11 years in the aviation world doing the airport consulting. Um, like I said, my primary role was a pilot and a grant administrator. And then over those 11 years, I had um, gone through a couple promotions and ended up being a project manager. And then, um, you know, in 2011, we uh, started having a family. We have two boys. Ransom is our oldest. He's 11 right now. And Cedar is nine. Um, they're, you know, my oldest is a lot like his mom. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, and the youngest is a lot like me, so it's a fun <laughs> dynamic in the household. But uh, um, so in 2015, to my surprise, I lost my job at uh, the engineering firm, mm-hmm. and um, I had to figure out what it was that I was going to do. Am I going to keep doing aviation, and or am I going to follow my dream to um, become an entrepreneur? And so while I was trying to figure that out, and um, I actually started looking at a couple different industries and trying to, you know, the computer tech world was really big, that a lot of job openings back in 2015 Mm -hmm. um, for PM, project management work. And um, while I was doing that, I started painting. So my dad was a painting contractor. That's what I did all through grade school, high school, college. And so I had learned that skill. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of friends from church, you know, when I lost my job, we were like, hey, we know you paint, you know, and I right. had put it out there. Hey, I'm looking to paint while I'm trying to find a job. And so um, just started painting. And during that time of about two and a half months, I really got the entrepreneurial bug. And I was like, you know, I maybe I can do this. I never thought if I owned a business, it would be painting. Right. But I don't have many other choices. No one's you know, scheduling interviews with me Mm -hmm. and the work just kept coming in. And so at that time, the prayer was, Hey God, if this is something that you really want me to pursue, just continue to keep this door open and I'll start on January 2nd of 2016. And that's what he did. He kept the door open. Hmm. And so started the company in 2016 and here we are, you know, a good six, seven years later. And, um, God is still good. He has provided uh, for this company, for my family, and, um, you know, brought in a longtime friend from when I was five years old, Brett Jones, to come help out last year when we really needed him. So, you know, that's in a nutshell, that's that's, that's kind of awesome. a little bit about me and my business and my family. Brett, how about you? Where do you so tell us a little bit of the backstory and give us the, the catch-up version. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for having having me on the show today. Really appreciate it. Um, so my name is Brett Jones. I'm from South Bend, Indiana as well. Uh, home of Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yeah. Huge <laughs> Notre Dame fan. Um, so Luke and I, obviously, we were, he, as he mentioned, we've been friends since we were in kindergarten. Um, and Luke has a really amazing, an amazing trait that a lot of people that I know don't have and I know I could grow in, which is keeping in touch with friends. Right. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, life happens and you move right. on and you just kind of go your own separate way. And then you just maybe 30 years down the road, you're like, hey, I remember that guy. I wonder how he's doing. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you have no idea where they're at. <laughs> right. And so Luke, uh, Luke and I maintained a friendship uh, through elementary school, middle school and into high school. Wow. And, you know, and then, you know, he was always there reaching out to me saying, hey, how's it going? And I was off doing my own thing, running all over the country and doing stuff. And uh, <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, we kept in touch over the years. Um, I, I was in a band right out of high school, like six months out of high school. We signed a record contract with a record label in Chicago, oh, wow. which took me on tour for about two years, just nonstop touring. And then um, after the band broke up, I ended up moving to L.A., and I was in L.A. for a little over two years playing music out there. Um, so I was really busy just doing my thing. Uh, but Luke always made sure to, to stay in touch with me. And uh, through through our conversation over the years, I was just explaining to him some of the frustrations I was having. After, after I was finished pursuing music, I went into the RV industry. And I was in the RV industry for about 17 years. And it was a really tough industry. Um, 
it's more about who you know and not mm-hmm. what you know. Didn't matter how dedicated you were. Really, um, it was you. You would talk to your your upper management and say, "Hey, I'd like to progress. I'd like to to do something more than just you know be a line worker." And it would go in one ear and out the other. Hmm. And hmm. so, <clears throat> I I felt from the time I was really young that I was created and designed to do something great and to be great. And at the time, whenever um, I was really pursuing trying to do something more in the RV industry, I was a cabinet builder. And I was thinking to myself, if I'm building cabinets 30 years from now, and that's what I'm doing, I'm going to feel like I failed at life. Mm. You Mm. know, like I know there's more. Mm -hmm. And so through that conversation, sharing that with Luke, um, Luke kind of understood my pain. And I was, you know, I reached out to him a couple times and asked him, hey, what do you, I see what you're doing on Facebook with All In Painting. Seems like you're doing really great things. Have you ever thought about opening a South Bend location? Um, at the time, it wasn't the right thing mm-hmm. to, to discuss or to look into. And so we started having conversations about me moving down here. And, hmm. you know, we had that conversation a couple times and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And then last, probably April or May, mm-hmm. Luke called me and said, hey, I've got a position I think that you would do really well with. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think? And so my wife and I, uh, we prayed about it, and we decided to sell the house and to move our lives down here to come pursue a career at All In Painting. That's awesome. uh, Got to join up with Luke. This guy's a great guy. He's, He's an amazing friend. That's awesome. How long ago was that? Yeah. Uh, We moved down. I I started last June, middle of June. Okay. And then we bought our house down here in August. In the midst of the chaos, huh? It was crazy. I thought I was going to be, no, I'm going to disclose some kind of embarrassing information. It's because you're going to think you're nuts. Or I was nuts. We had uh, eight or nine cats. (laughs) <laughs> at the time. That you and don't so, know the exact number is a little worrisome. Exactly. And, and a dog. And, and so a dog. Oh I'm goodness. sitting here poor thinking, dog. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to sell our house, not be able to find a house, and we're going to be homeless with all these animals. Right. How's this going to work out? And I, I do have to add, this was not mentioned during the interview process. You didn't know about the eight or nine cats? He, he, he had not disclosed that, so that, that may have changed the decision. <laughs> when he told me this, I was like, what, what, how many? Okay, I do wanted to say, though, like, when I came down here and started working, I had two less cats. Oh. And when I came home to visit one weekend, I found out that I had two more cats. <laughs> and I was like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. so you year ago, what a year ago you been started last June, right? Yes. And then, did you um, did you transition from the um, cabinet making to all in, or was were you doing something else prior to that? Um, so, the, <clears throat> what's interesting is, I've per, been pursuing management within the in the RV industry for mm-hmm. years and not gotten anywhere. And by the time Luke called me, I had actually started to get somewhere. <laughs> oh, really? Just yeah. getting traction. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it was like, oh, man, I've been working my butt off to, to make this happen. To make this happen. And now it's happening. And uh, now you call. And, <laughs> and so, you know, um, yes, yeah, so I was I, I was a group leader over the cabinet shop. Okay. Um, for a company called Forest River. Okay. <clears throat> Okay. And I assume you got married in there somewhere because the wife popped up. Yeah. Uh, so I w- actually, today is our 11-year anniversary. Oh, okay. hey, congratulations. congratulations. So, thank you. So, yeah, we, we got married in, back in 2011. Okay. Very um, cool. So, and actually, uh, so she has some from previous marriage, and he had his first child two weeks ago, so I'm technically a grandpa now. Oh, congrats. <laughs> that's awesome. So, that, that's and I think cool. everybody's also wondering, how many cats today? Yeah. Um, we have narrowed, so so we we rehomed the dog. We had we rehomed our dog to yeah. a really good family, um, you know. Because obviously, when you have pets, you love your pets. You want to make sure that right. yeah. if you yeah. have to rehome them, they're going somewhere great. Right. Um, yes, for sure. So now we are down to five cats. Oh, that's yeah. a little bit more manageable. That's right. That's yeah. right. A little well, more. Wasn't it four <laughs> yeah. two months ago? 
No, 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 no. No, okay. <laughs> I, just, I wondered if it was growing there's, again. There's four, there's four indoor and one outdoor. Okay. Oh, there you okay, go. There you go. Okay. That does make a difference. Oh, so. My. so expand a little bit on on the roles that you guys play as business owner, as um, I, what, what's your title? My title is COO and operations manager. Okay. okay. All right. So expand a little bit on your roles and how, um, you know, uh, how you guys work together in you know in sharing uh, the load that you guys do? Yeah. Um, so technically, my title is founder and CEO, but as any small business owner, you wear multiple hats. What? <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> Just joking. Sorry. <laughs> so um, you know, I I primarily wear the uh, sales and marketing, uh, which just recently Brett and I was wearing the sales manager hat. Um, so we're kind of in a transition phase right now, but I'm still very much involved with the the marketing aspect and, you know, directing, leading that effort on that front. Um, and so, you know, my, my day-to-day um, is a lot to working with my team directly. And so my team consists of Brett, who is the COO and operations manager, and, um, and then Audra, who is our CFO and um, office manager. And so a lot of, a lot of w- together we call ourselves an exec team. Mm-hmm. So we meet every other week. So a lot of our conversations are the three of us making bigger picture decisions, um, you know, looking at cash flow together, looking at goals that we set for the beginning of the year, uh, the changes that you see every month and quarter, how we're adapting and, and creating strategy around those uh, changes. But yeah, you know, um, I would say, you know, when Brett, you know, when Brett came on, um, I had, I had my hand a lot more into the operations than what I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And especially the two, you know, there was a time where I had an operations manager, um, but that individual had, uh, decided to go its own way. And so I had to pick it up for about two months before Brett got here. And, and I remember telling Brett, I'm like, uh, I'm going to get this all cleaned up for you so that when you get here, it's going to be easy. And, um, and Brett got here. He's like, I thought you said you had things cleaned up. And I'm like, well, you know, I guess I don't. It was cleaner <laughs> sort of. than you saw it yeah. when, you, when I started, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, over the last year, it's really, you know, I, I love Brett to talk a little bit more on this too, but it's really been, from my point of view, it's, it's been amazing at what he's been able to do to the culture of the operations side, mm-hmm. you know, and just to put some stats to that, um, you know, our retention was not good. It was like a revolving door mm-hmm. before Brett got here and it didn't, he didn't fix it overnight. You know, mm-hmm. that's something like that takes time. Right. For sure. Uh, but this year, night and day, right. We step back, we look at where we're at now compared to where we were last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one's leaving, right? That's awesome. There's a That's couple cool. here and there, but like last year this time, we were having interviews, group interviews every two weeks, if not every week. Wow. Right? Hmm. We could not find a skill set. You know, it was, you know, all time U.S. national labor shortage. So, mm-hmm. right. you know, we were dealing with that in a big way, but it wasn't just because of the labor shortage. It's because we had a culture issue mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. operation side. And what Brett was able to do um, through relationships, and um, I mean, it ultimately led to a retention like we've never had before. So, give mm. us a little bit of wisdom because you know we just talked about culture. Jason mm. and I were just talking about culture. So, give us a little bit of insight on what it, like what it's like for you to walk into your current role a year ago, where it was supposed to be a little cleaner than what you thought, and then mm. you've gone from this and to it. I mean, this in my head. A year is quite for you to be to the point where you've went from turning over cost, turning over employees to turning to retaining so many of them and losing. I mean, everybody loses some, right? Mm-hmm. So it's inevitable to get to the point yeah. where you are now. Tell me, get try take me through that. Well, it was a lot of uh, <clears throat> trial and error. Mm-hmm. Of <laughs> you know, I had to when I first came down here. I was stepping into something that I knew really very little about, mm-hmm. right? But you were um, running a team in the cabinet. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, you, so I know, you're familiar I with know that. I know cabinets. 
I've been in management positions before, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, and really, it's interesting to what. So I was in management before. I managed a microbrewery up in Elkhart, Indiana, called uh, Mad Anthony's. They're based out of Fort Wayne. Okay. You know, I had 80, 80 employees there, wow. and I after I was done working there, I was like. I do not want to be in management. I never <laughs> were, I just want to go to work. I want to be responsible for myself. Right. And that's it. You right. know. Um <clears throat> so when I went back into the RV industry after that, I went in with that mindset, which mm-hmm. was I don't want to be I just want to show up, I want to do my job, I want to go home. Uh-huh. Um but when you sit under bad management so long, <laughs> You know, I, I really started to frustrate me. Yes. And, and you know, I would I would talk to my, my leaders about the frustration. I mean, it would just go in one ear and out the other. And it got to a point where I was like, you know what? If this if nobody's going to step up, then I will. Mm. Right? I'll, I'll step up. I don't want to. But there are too many people that work here that come into work and have to deal with all of the junk. Mm-hmm. Because people are not taking ownership, and it, the mindset was, well, it doesn't affect me, so what? Why should I care about it? Right, right, right. Um, so I learned uh, at that point in time. I learned uh, that being in management is not about a position. It's not about a title. It's not about your pay. It's about being able to serve. It's about being able to make an impact. Mm-hmm. And so that's really all I had coming down here because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know about pain mm-hmm. you know um, all I knew is how to work with people mm-hmm. how to mm-hmm. care for people um, h- how to problem solve mm-hmm. you know and treat people with respect and honor mm-hmm. right and I was here to serve Luke mm-hmm. and I was here to serve the painters mm-hmm. and any and and I, and I had to be humble because I couldn't come in here and pretend like I knew anything. Right. right? right. They all knew I didn't know anything. <laughs> so, and, and honestly, everybody did a great job of receiving me um, knowing, because so, some people would say, well, this guy doesn't know anything. Why should I listen to him? Mm-hmm. You know, but they did, the company as a whole did a really good job receiving me in and taking that in cons- consideration. Um, but I truly think... Th- that what made the difference was one, I was transparent. Mm-hmm. Whenever people were leaving and I was interviewing new people, I did not sugarcoat it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I straight up told them, hey, we're in a rebuilding season. It's crazy right now. Right. The company is unstable. Um, I'm looking for people that are looking to help us get out of this. So I set the precedence, mm-hmm. you know, from the very get go that of what they were getting themselves into. That's awesome. And some people said, yeah, I'll do that. And then a the week later, like, no, I'm not doing that. And mm-hmm. But truly, the success of where we are now, I think, is more about the people that are with us and th- their willingness to endure and their willingness to put themselves in uncomfortable situations. Um, and then me... I took the mindset of you let me know what the problem is and I'm going to come and team up with you and we're going to figure out how to fix this problem together, together. That's awesome. right. People, I do believe that people are willing to tough it out and right. to stick through the tough season when the leaders show, Hey, I'm here with you and I'm not just saying deal with it. Right. I'm, I'm going to get into this with you and help you figure it out, and we're going to figure it out together. Right. They're willing to stick it out. It's whenever you you turn yourself, you you turn them away, and you right. tell them, hey, you know what? Suck it up, buttercup. Right. It is what it is. And that's when they say, well, I, I don't have to deal with this. I can go work somewhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. So, But I think the big thing truly is honoring people, respecting people, mm-hmm. treating people as individuals. You know, some one person's problem is, or, or one person's personal problem mm-hmm. is going to be different than the next. Mm-hmm. So it's not a one answer fit, fixes all the problems. You have right. to be willing to treat people as individuals and meet them where they need to be met. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's good. That so, good. being childhood friends, 
you know, I, it's been reminiscent for me. I'm thinking about my friends that uh, I played football with in the front yard, at, you know, kindergarten, first grade. And um, what what are some of the big challenges around bringing friendship into the workplace? How do you guys manage relationships, not just with you guys, but, um, you know, with your families, you know, friendship outside of work, um, you know, even even down into your crews and things like that? How do you all manage relationships like that? Um, well, you know, it. I, when I hired Brett, I was, I just so happened to be at a, at a, um, event with a bunch of other business owners Mm -hmm. and, and I was in a little small group and there was one lady who was, um, I think she was a business coach. Um, but she's like, Hey, what's going on with your company? And, you know, and I I said, well, I got a new hire coming in and she's like, Oh, how'd you meet him? And I said, Oh, he's actually one of my best friends. And she looked at me and she goes, Ooh, (laughs) <laughs> she's like one thing you never hire your friends and you never hire your family right and i heard that and i'm like well you know i, I could see that as mm-hmm. being a go-to response you right. know we don't know each other really mm-hmm. you know but as soon as she said that i'm like well you don't you don't know brett you know and you don't know our relationship mm-hmm. and um and i had no doubt in my mind even though she was telling me that um, I would say through that conversation, it did help me set good expectations with Brett. And so from the get-go, um, we had a conversation before he started, after he was hired, um, that I said, hey, man, I know you're going to be coming into this. You're going to look like the friend who got the job just because you know someone, you know, which that's not what we want. Um, so I'm, I'm going to treat you like anyone else in our company, right? There's still going to be rules. There's still going to be policies and procedures you know, and so let's just be careful on how we how how we treat each other um, during the workplace, you yeah. know, because other people are watching mm-hmm. and they're seeing that, you know. So we got, you know, one thing I heard a long time ago as a leader, if you're going to create policies and procedures and rules, you better be the one to follow them. Mm-hmm. And um, so I wasn't going to make any exceptions, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and. I kind of thought, well, maybe even as friends, it would be difficult to hang out, you know, outside of work. Right. How would people see that, you know? But uh, that has not been an issue. You know, we've we've hung out many times, and it's not like we have to keep it a secret. We're hanging out, right. you know. But uh, I think it's been actually, you know, the level of trust that you can have with a family or a friend mm-hmm. is way different than with someone, you know, I could have hired some COO that has tons of experience and he's making six figures and let's bring him in. He's going to save the world. Right. Um, But I would rather have a friend who I can trust. That's going to give me honest feedback because that was the difference in the, in the, in in prior hires was I can't trust, Mm -hmm. you know, who Mm -hmm. am I going to trust? Right. And with Brett, the transparency, you know, he talked about what it takes to build a culture in, in, it's transparency. It like there's, n- you know, one of our core values is ownership. And the reason for that core value is I don't want any mistakes to get in the way of trust. Mm-hmm. If there's an issue and you own it, even if you're a part of it and it mm-hmm. happened, the mistake was because of you, you can move past that. But if you try to hide from that and mm-hmm. you lose that trust, good luck building it back. It's going to yes. be tough. Yeah. Right. And um, so that's kind of how our relationship has been and so we have the ugly conversations and the hard ones and i think we you know for the most part have really done pretty well you know Mm -hmm. because it can't you know when you do trust someone that much you can you can wear your feelings on your sleeve Mm -hmm. right so that's another thing just to try to respect and and to know when when working with a friend yeah is that you know it's more likely he's going to open up more than someone else would right so you mess it um mentioned the I can't talk today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, you mentioned um, ownership as one of your core values. What are some of your others? Yeah, so we have six core values. Um, quality, I know I know you like that one. Yep. Uh, professionalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, growth is a big one for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, financial stability. Uh, we love talking about that one in the office. Um, and uh, I always forget the last one. What's the last one, Brett? What did you, you say? Growth, growth, quality, ownership. I mentioned that one. And did you mention professionalism. Yep, and financial stability. So we That's can't okay. remember no a sixth. The sixth, <laughs> the sixth value is don't yeah. forget the first five. Yeah. Right. Don't forget <laughs> the first five. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So, um, 
And do you do, does everybody in your culture understand those and, and recognize those as well? Communication. Communication. That's what it yep, was. That's there what there's the sixth. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we, we, the operations team meets every Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, those are actually broadcasted up on our wall. Mm-hmm. And we try to talk about one at every ops meeting. That's awesome. and, and it's really, it's like, hey, which core value did you experience this week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I experienced financial stability, you know, or whatever, you know, I got a pay raise, mm-hmm. whatever that was. Um, but, but yeah, it's, you know, you know, for any listeners out there that are leaders in building a company, I mean, you have to share your values frequently. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. not something you just put on a wall and then say, or you fill out a piece of paper or put it on your website you have to talk about it. And, and I mean, when I do a company wide email, it's a little thing that I do. Mm -hmm. Every time I talk to something, I try to point in a core value to what I'm talking about. And Mm -hmm. I bold it because I want this visual representation that it's constantly what are, that's the culture of the company is the core values. And so, um, actually we used to have a, we haven't put the logo on our sleeve in a while, but we made a core value logo where it's just a circle of the words in our core values. And, we wore it on our sleeve, you know, and so, hmm. um, so yeah, it's super important. That's awesome. That's cool. So, I'm curious, Luke. Um, I'm gonna put you on the hot spot on this one. Um, in terms of, you know, if growth is one of your core values, and you talked about you had a CEO prior, and you know, here you are bringing in, you know, a, a good friendship mm-hmm. that um, you know, and trust is elevated in these roles. Um, I think a lot of business owners, a lot of leaders are trying to figure out how, you know, they're hitting that glass ceiling with mm-hmm. growth and they know that they need to bring somebody on like, like bread. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the process of letting go, mm-hmm. because like you said, you've got to wear 24 hats mm-hmm. and how, talk about that process of actually taking that hat off and going, no, this is yours. And I'm not going to take that hat back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's your head now, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and whether it's your, your CFO or, you know, you built this, you built a business based on the skills that you learned from your dad. Mm-hmm. And now even the operations team is not under your direct supervision. So mm-hmm. talk about that letting go process, what that takes, you know, as a, as a business owner to say, yeah, I, I've got to entrust this to your hands. Well, I'd say first and foremost, to let go, you have to want to grow. You have to want to grow. If you're comfortable where you're at, then keep wearing, you know, some of those same hats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners are typically they have a personality trait of being controlling. And so I was wondering when that was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> so that that actually makes it harder, right? I agree. Because you you know that if you do it right, you're going to do it better than everyone else. Right. But if you want to grow, guess what? You don't have time to do certain tasks anymore. And um, and so really, we talk about we talk about letting go all the time. We have a plate exercise. Um, that's called the plate exercise where, you you know, you got too much on your plate and so you identify it and you try to give it to someone else, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there's this constant, um, that's what we're trying to do is let go. And when you let go, you know, Jason, like you mentioned, you don't want it to come back. And so we actually have a thing in the office that we talk about when someone goes on vacation, no one's stepping down to your role. You need to have someone underneath you that's ready to step up. Mm. And so when you let go, you let go. And that doesn't always happen in a perfect world. Right, you know, right, we right. don't get that, you know, and, and sometimes we have to step back down when things happen. Um, but so I wanted to touch on that. And the other thing about letting go, I would say, is you still need to have a leash. It's, you're not, you still need to have some type of rhythm, some type of system where you're communicating, you know, and, and when as that relationship of whoever you pass the hat grows... Mm-hmm. you should be able to let the leash out further. Let mm-hmm. the leash out a little bit further. If something happens, what do you do with a dog? You tighten up the leash a little bit, but then you should be letting it go again. Mm-hmm. If you ever have someone where that leash is just getting tighter and tighter and tighter, either you need to learn to let go a little bit mm-hmm. and trust that person, or you probably need to find a new person. Mm-hmm. Right? I've been told I was a micromanager. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I do feel like a micromanager. I keep tightening up his leash. I didn't trust the guy. 
Oh. Right? Right. And I, it took me a while to realize that. In hindsight, I can see right. I had a trust issue. So we're going back to this trust thing, right? Right. Right. If you're going to let go of something and you're talking about people, the trust better be there. Right. Otherwise, you're just going to make it harder because mm-hmm. now you're training and reviewing and training and reviewing mm-hmm. again. And right. So, yeah. Hmm, so, so what builds trust? I'll let you take that. You know, um, (laughs) that's a good question. I I like that question. I, you didn't put that one on the notes. No, (laughs) no, that's a hot seat question. (laughs) So one of the things that I've, have have you, you know who Bill Johnson is from Bethel Renning? Yeah. Okay. So Bill Johnson, he spoke one time about how before he lets somebody come on staff, he has to make sure that they're on point with the vision that God gave him for the church. Now, he knows that whenever he's bringing somebody else on staff, that God has probably given them a vision personally as well, Mm -hmm. right? And he wants to come alongside and help them in in their vision that God gave them. But first, he needs to know that you're on board with the vision that God gave me for the church. Because if you're not then it's going to be us butting heads nice. all the time. Right. Right. And so I think part of what builds trust for me is whenever I see that somebody is on board with the vision, mm-hmm. with the mission, with the core values, mm-hmm. right? If you can show me that, you, that at your root, this is what you care about, mm-hmm. right? doesn't mean you're going to be perfect at it all the time. It doesn't mean you're going to make mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I know that you're on board with the vision. Then that tells me that I can now trust you with more. Because whenever I send you to do something, I know that your intention is it, you have good intentions. Mm-hmm. Right. I think about with uh, Martin, our project manager. I trust Martin. I, I, I mean, I trust him with everything, mm-hmm. you know, and so he has shown me over time that <clears throat> he wants to do well so that the company can do well. He wants to make right choices. Um, he's willing to change, he, you know, because he was a painter for a long time uh, mm-hmm. before he came here and all in painting way is different than the way that he did it before. Right. He wasn't really understanding the why. We did certain things the way that we do them. Um, <clears throat> but now he's changed. Uh-huh. And the reason why he does it the way that he does it now is because he is trying to honor Luke and Luke's vision. Right. Right. Nice. And so, and that takes time. It does. That takes time to, in, in, in patience, to work with people to try to get them to get them on board. Right. You mm-hmm. know, but I really think that that helps me build trust with people whenever I know that they've got our, the company's best interest in mind mm-hmm. right. and they're willing to take ownership mm-hmm. whenever they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we really, I think the more that we're transparent and the more that we're willing to take ownership of our mistakes at a higher level, the more they're willing to be transparent and that builds trust. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would uh, you know, Brett talked about, um, you know, trust being someone that, that understands the vision and where you're going mm-hmm. and partnering up with that. And, and, you know, and he's exhibited that, right? I, during the interview, when we were talking about working together, I think more than once, he's like, I got your back. I got your back, right? And it was just like this old school friendship mentality, like when we were in the playground mm-hmm. and someone wanted to pick a fight with Brett, he was picking a fight with me. You know, right. I, right. I had I had his back. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, um, you know, in a childhood way. Right. You know, but, um, you know, the other thing that he mentioned is time. Right. Our trust and relationship and my trust with Brett, that started 37 years ago. Right you know, long time ago. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I think even if you're hiring someone who's new and they have a great resume, I mean, you still have to be careful. They still have to build your trust. Right. Because everyone's on their A game during an interview. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it, you think they gave you their worst references? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I actually struggle with that with the interviewing stage because, you know, I, and I think this is part of being a Christian, too, is you can see the good in everyone. Mm-hmm. And so that that line during two one-hour conversations. Right. You know, trust takes time. Don't let out the leash too far yep. before that trust is developed. Yeah. Yeah. That's I awesome. like how y'all brought that back to alignment to the vision. That when yeah, they, that was really good. When they embrace the same core values, when you know that they're going to um, behave in the same way that you would if you were in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's, that's huge. That's cool. So... Um, just real quickly, what's what's on the horizon for you guys? What is uh, some of the dreams that uh, you guys are pursuing? Yeah, I mean, speaking of vision, right? That's, yeah, our, our vision is to cultivate a work uh, a work environment where we're focused on the career development of the employee, the painter. We want to see them while while scaling to multiple locations. That's the full vision, and so um, you know we are. The way we're doing that is we have created a career path for the painter. Um, we're actually uh, right now um, in the process of de- developing a full-out residential repaint apprenticeship certification program. Oh wow! It's already been, already been approved through the state of Indiana, and uh, we're the we're we're the only um, certified painter that has a apprenticeship program for res repaint in the state. So we're really proud of that, and so we're right now packaging that up. Um, so that we can offer it to our um, neighbor states and then across the the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're under actually we're under contract working with a course developer on that. Uh, the other thing is is scaling to multiple locations. Um, so right now we're looking at scaling um, into northern northern Indiana, mm-hmm. South Bend, right? There you go. Yeah. Um, so we got some roots there, and we like to we like to see all in painting uh, take some steps in fulfilling more parts of the vision. Mm-hmm. So cool, Very cool. That's awesome. Any last thing you want to share? Great uh, leadership advice or tidbits or any last thoughts? Floor is yours. You know, I I think we both could talk about an amazing experience that we just had as a team together. And, um, you know, and it's, you know, we're we're coming out of the pandemic and and we're, we're, you know, we're hearing a lot of different ways to be a leader and how you lead out of a how you lead out of a pandemic is different than how you led before you got mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the one thing that's really resonated with me over the, just the last week even is how the pandemic has really individualized ourself as a me mentality, as a, I'm going to go out there and help myself. I'm going to take care of myself. Mm. And I think that is just coming on really strong. It's, it's hurting um, the business leaders, it, the cultures of companies, um, it's hurting the church um, in ways that we have to recognize that and get back to, uh, you know, the commonwealth. You mm. know, we have to get back to working together. Mm-hmm. We, we've been isolated. We've quarantined. Right. We've fought for ourselves and our families. But, you know, our team is going to be stronger when everyone is heading the same way and we're mm-hmm. working as a team, a right. church, a community. You name it. Look at our country right now. Right. It's blue or red. It's not unity. Where, when are we going to get to a point where we get back to this mentality that we're better together mm-hmm. and not by ourselves? That was good. I think that's a wrap. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I mean, not to cut you out, Brad. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know I, we, like Luke said, we went to the Global Leadership uh, Summit. Summit yeah. in Chicago this past weekend. And there was a lot of good stuff. You know, one thing that Craig Rochelle said is as a leader, you should always be putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. And I'm like, yep, I do that. Yeah, there <laughs> you you know, a year ago I was willing to sell it all, come down here, give up a 17-year mm-hmm. career mm-hmm. Uh, to jump into something that I didn't know anything about, had no, you know, very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And since I've been here, 
I've been willing to take on, you know, other positions that <clears throat> I really don't know anything about, but I'm willing to stick my head in there and try to figure it out mm -hmm. and give it my best. And, right. you know, when he said that, I was like, yeah, like we should. If, sure. if, if, if you're a leader, you should be willing to be uncomfortable, uh -huh. mm -hmm. you know. And then the other thought that I had <clears throat> uh, just the other day was, you know, as a leader, I think we have to really take a step of, or a step back and look at what is my obligation as a leader. Uh -huh. And our obligation is to serve. Hmm. You know, if we don't have the right motive, then we should probably be asking ourselves, am I in the right seat in the bus? Mm -hmm. You know, right. maybe I'm not the best person mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. this position. You know, so I guess my advice for anybody out there that if you're not a leader already and you're thinking about it, before you take that step and take that position, really ask yourself what your motivation is. Mm -hmm. If it's not to serve others, then maybe it's not the right position. Right. And if you are in a leadership position and you can say, hey, I'm not doing that well, it's, it's not too late. Mm -hmm. You know, you right. just have to be intentional right. and, and really um, learn to care about your team and, and others right. and right. serve them how, to the best of your ability. And maybe it's one of those things, not to put words in your mouth, but like when you were talking earlier about maybe there's a season where a leader maybe needs to step down and take care of them for a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, to to get to the point where they can come back and serve better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're serving people. Right. But yeah. yeah, that's good. Leadership is not is for the sake of others. Right. If you're right. leading for your own benefit, mm -hmm. it's not really leading. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, guys, thanks for joining yes, us thank today. Thank you so much for coming. Really appreciate for sharing your stories, and you know, love to see. Um, you know, friends working together in high press situations. Yeah, and awesome. That's really cool. That is yeah, thank best you. to you guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks, All right. Guys. We'll see you guys here in just a moment. Jason, that was awesome. I really, um, I do love the fact that we bump into some great business leaders. Yeah. And I am so thankful that they've taken the time to spend with us and, and give us some of their wisdom. I mean, it's just, there was a lot in that podcast yeah. that I'm going to take away. Absolutely. And quick shout out to Cody Johnson for connecting connecting us with Luke and Brett. Right. Um, yeah. So, Cody, thank you, man. Um, yeah. You know, just, um, yeah, it's cool to see business leaders who are, you know, not just not just out for their own companies, but they're looking toward the community and, you know, mm -hmm. the broader scope of things. And Well, and I mean... It was unintentional, but we touched on culture when we first started talking about and yeah, began this podcast. Yeah, that's right. And it's almost like that was exactly what they were, you know, was their big key. I mean, it seems like their yeah. big key for them is their culture. And, mm -hmm. it's, and it's doing them great things. Like in a year, um, Brett has made a major shift in their culture and brought that down full Turn right. to, to, to all the employees and right. all the people that are working with him. I mean, if one of the big rocks on your <laughs> daily operations is we've got to fill holes. Right. You Seats. know, staffing and seating. Yeah. yeah. Um, and suddenly that's taken off the table because you're holding onto your employees and mm -hmm. your team. Um, that just opens up the door for... <laughs> that's a huge amount of bandwidth that right. you gain, you know, by, by fixing that problem through culture. So Yes. I mean, and just... Um, you know, even talking off air, recognizing how much um, it also fixes um, the problems with trying to figure out who to hire. Like, yeah, do you recognize what our culture is, and are you have you bought in our culture? Because mm -hmm. if you haven't bought in our culture, you're not going to be happy here, and that's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's mm -hmm. just. It's just recognizing it is what it is. Like so, therefore, this job is probably not the best avenue for you, and right. that's okay. Right, because at the end of the day, you want an employee that you can trust. Right, and if trust is rooted in alignment with where you're headed and who you are, then right, yeah, you gotta you gotta establish that Huge. on the front end. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So I'm. I hope that all those listening to this are you know can see the importance that from their business perspective, the importance that. Um, why we talk about it. Yeah. Because at some level, it touches, it, we talk about it a lot. 
-hmm. We probably do um, at some in different different formats. But then we're touching on it even more today. And and let's and I'm looking forward to the deep dive at some point where we talk about some of the um, the culture and strategy stuff like that and the problems that go along with all that stuff because they're. It's not perfect, you know. Like, yeah, no, I don't think that any culture is perfect, um, but it's uh, but it's a living and growing in thing that can be um, fine tuned and right and make make a huge difference. So, if you're listening today and you can appreciate this, um, send us a note. Let us know what your culture is doing in your business that you think is huge. Let us know um, how it's impacted your people. Um, and what, where you guys are at and Mm -hmm. Hey, even if you'd like to take the time and spend with us for an hour and talk about it on, on the podcast, let us know. Yeah. Because I think these, these things are huge. And I think we're definitely going more and more to a culture, um, as society's concerned for the people that are looking for jobs. I think culture is huge Mm -hmm. is for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, yes, everybody knows that money in money out it's always got to be there you know what right. i mean it's just that that's underlying th- but truly like people don't want to be at jobs where their culture sucks right right so i don't know i probably dominated that part of the conversation didn't mean to it's but it's it's a it's a it's a touch point i think for me i think it's yeah. it's important to me and it's i mean it's and it's obviously important to Brett and Luke today yeah so 100% Appreciated that. You can get on soapbox anytime you want. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Y'all, thanks for tuning in today. Give us a like, subscribe, comment, um, shoot us an email. Emails in the show notes. Um, we'd love to hear from you, hear what you're thinking, and and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. You guys, I mean, like they said, I mean, lead for the sake of others, and, and that's yeah, serve others as uh, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get out there. Thanks. thanks Later, for guys. Bye bye.